Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Stop putting your socks next to the microphone. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. The eyes in the back of the head thing will come into play. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Good luck out there in the world. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I never want to be in a room with you again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're going to start with the mailbag. Oh, Amy, you get a gold star and a free puppy because you remembered mailbag. Because we remembered. We love hearing from our listeners. You can always reach out to us on our Facebook group or at info at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. So Tracy wrote in to say, your podcast has been my savior during this pandemic. My escape is a nightly walk. I get to clear my head from the day and I get to do it alone. But I listen to your podcast and I feel like I'm chatting with friends. I just want to say thanks and I appreciate you. Oh, thanks, Tracy. We appreciate you as well. And friends, if you would like to appreciate us in public, we would love it if you would leave a rating or review for our podcast, please, because it helps other people find it. And the more ratings you have, it's like, oh, look, this is a good show. Everyone loves it. It would help us out. So thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. This week, we're going to talk about setting boundaries, which is another um, one like, you know, we should talk about (laughs) you and I are like, let's talk about this because I'd like to know. This one needs like a 70s theme (laughs) song, right? Like setting boundaries is fun and useful. Yeah. Setting boundaries. I feel like we've talked about this topic a lot on the podcast in general, because so many things about being a good parent and functional human involve setting boundaries. Right. But I think I'm not that good at it or maybe I'm okay at it. So I want to get clear on like what it means and why we don't like to do it if it's so positive and how you do it. So we'll kind of try to get our arms around it that way because I feel like it's you think you know what it is, but what is it really? I agree. And Amy, I need to take a little trip into the land of setting boundaries for my kids and helping my kids set boundaries. Oh, okay. If we can go down that rabbit hole, because I feel like now that I have almost a teenager, my son is very fond of the phrase, mom, I'm almost a teenager. Like he says that to me 10 times a week (laughs) now, which I'm kind of digging. But I think that 
he needs to start setting some of his own boundaries. And we will talk about that as well, I hope. Well, you know, so the first thing I want to say, as I was sort of researching this episode, I had sort of a personal epiphany of my own, which is that boundary setting, I mean, not only is it a positive thing to do, but it's something to do in every relationship, not just with the crazy uncle or the annoying coworker. Well, that's right. And I think that boundary has become one of those words that is a catch all for everything. Like, I am setting a boundary. I've stated my boundaries. And it becomes mostly like you do it because your mother-in-law annoys you. And it's right. You lose what's really useful about it, which is knowing what is true and important in your own life is the foundation for all your interactions with every other human being ever. Right. So this isn't just how to handle the crazy person in your life, although that's very important. And we could have a whole separate episode about how to handle the crazy people in your life. But this is for us with our kids, our spouses, and of course, our extended families and our workplaces. Like this is good work to do for everyone. It's and where I get stuck, I think, is I want to set boundaries once it has been clearly established that I don't have any and I am a doormat and I will say yes to absolutely everything because I don't want anybody to not like me if I say no. Like once you've established that you are that person who doesn't have proper boundaries, how do you say like, okay, but now I mean it? Right. It feels like it's hard to come back from. But one thing that we have said, and I think it's true, is that the pandemic has been terrible for many things, but I think it's been good for a lot of us in this way. Mm. It's been good practice to say, you know, for our own safety, we're not coming to your birthday party. Oh, don't be so uptight. It's going to be fine. We're going to leave a window open. No, thanks. We're not doing that. That doesn't sound good to me. I really don't want to get COVID. And so, no. And I think that it's been a good way to practice that muscle for some people. Do you agree? Yes, it's become necessary, right? It's become unavoidable. So that's why it's been good. I don't think anybody delights in telling their best friend that they're not going to you're not going to let them come over because they went to Florida last month. But it becomes so necessary. You have to do it. So it's good in that way. And for me, the boundaries of the pandemic, when you said the pandemic has forced boundaries, I was honestly thinking like in my own house, like the, that five of us, I have three teenagers and a spouse. We're all, you know, in an apartment working and it's a little tight, you know, and my workspace where I'm working from right now is the desk in my bedroom that I share with my spouse. And I have had to be like, this is my space. No socks, no, you know, <laughs> no receipts. <laughs> no omelet pans. Right. No omelet pans, like whatever. Throw the clothes on the floor. This desk, this little tiny space is just for me. And, you know, to my, I guess, surprise, my spouse was like, okay. And then like, I only had to say that once. And rather than seethe with resentment that there were socks next to my microphone, you know, it's just... I have had to plant a flag in a few things, which has never been a strong point of mine. Well, but that's what I'm saying about the pandemic, that I think generally, sometimes women don't feel like it's okay to say this is important to me and I won't stand for anything else. Right. Except for in situations where like their family is in peril or their child is in a medical situation. And we've talked about that, right? Like if you're standing by your kid's bed and the person who is trying to draw their blood is trying for the sixth time, you're going to say, get out of this room and go find someone who's better at this than you. Yes. Because you feel completely comfortable mama bearing for your kid. But the pandemic, I think, has forced us all a little bit into a corner where suddenly like we feel quite comfortable in that role of, oh, heck no, because 
I need this amount of mental health and I need this amount of help with cooking and I need this amount of respect for my space. And I think that's played out more during the pandemic and it's been a good thing to try. It doesn't mean we love doing it. It just has given us more of an opportunity to practice it. Yes. And as women, like there is a double standard. If we express boundaries, if we say to our kids, hey, I'm not going to, you know, put your dishes in the dishwasher anymore unless you, you know, bring them to the kitchen or something like that, that were perceived as being difficult at home in the workplace. And I, as I started looking at this, started feeling bad, like, why am I as a woman so bad at boundaries? Why do women not speak up for themselves? Well, because we're completely maligned when we do, right? And held to a double standard. So it's not the fact that I'm not better at speaking up for myself is partly because we're in a world where the world doesn't like women who speak up for themselves. So you just have to sort of accept that as part of this. My kids can moan or complain or not like the new rules that I'm setting. And that doesn't mean I should set them even if they think I'm a jerk. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think that's the practice that I've found that I'm getting that people saying, oh, you're uptight. I'm like, well, I'm sorry you think so. Anyway, here's what we're doing, friends. Like I've gotten better at it. I feel like in all of this, I've just felt very strongly that we are in a situation where we have to set up our lives in a way that makes sense for us. We cannot lean into six other people's expectations about what we should or shouldn't be doing. We have had very infrequent people over and I'm much better at saying, what is everyone comfortable with? If we're inside, I want everyone in a mask and I'm keeping the windows open. So if you're cold, grab a blanket. And I just feel like generally I'm a little bit more like, oh, I'm not sure what the rules are here. So I'll just and now I'm like, I'm not sure what the rules are. So I'm going to speak out loud that I don't know what the rules are, but this is making me uncomfortable. Yeah, I have read somewhere about that, that that is the best way to handle this pandemic sort of like, are we going to do it this way or that way is to talk about it ahead of time. And you can be as self-deprecating as you want to be like, yeah, we're those people. We're going to leave the door open the entire time and ask you to wear masks the entire time and, you know, get it out ahead of time. And I think if I were on the receiving end of that, like here's the other thing I had to understand about boundaries is that boundaries that have been expressed to me, even if for 15 seconds, I'm like, whoa, okay, strong feelings about that. I don't carry resentment about that boundary around with me. You're just sort of like, good to know, I guess. Okay, so we're going to have our masks on when we go over to their house. And it feels weirder to the person expressing it than it often does to the person receiving it who is just glad to know what the expectation is. That's harder for me, though. I like expressing my own boundaries. I don't have a lot of hangups <laughs> around expressing my boundaries, but wow, I don't like it when other people express their boundaries to me. Uh, it's another thing I have to work on, which is people who state their boundaries to me. I find it annoying, you know, but I it's just something it's we've talked about it before, right? Like, I don't like to be told to take off my shoes in your house. It really bugs me. Mm -hmm. But I have to be better about saying and I think that this whole experience hopefully has made me better at saying when I am in other people's situations, I need to be comfortable with what they do. We've talked about uh, people. I like my kids to call people by their last names. And it's something that people constantly correct. They're like, no, 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 call me this. And that's an East Coast thing, I think. I wonder if some of our listeners, like if you're in the South, you would never call me anything but by my last name or maybe Ms. Amy, right? right? But never just Amy. But at least in <laughs> on the coasts, it's a lot more like, oh, don't call me that. That's my mom's name. Just call me Amy. And I have done that. I have not with your kids specifically, but I have been that person in the past who's like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't need that. And 
you then have to say, yeah, but I do. My kids do. Yeah, it's just a funny issue. Like the problem with boundaries is that they bump up against each other. Right. Right. (laughs) Hmm. I mean, that's the problem. It's like you got to respect other people's and hold your own. And that doesn't always go together. Right. And maybe they won't. I guess that's why it's scary. Like when you're like, can you take your shoes off when you come into my house, please? You're worried that that person won't like you anymore and like, you know, maybe they won't. There's a small chance that'll happen, but it doesn't mean you, I don't know, when it gets important enough, it's good to express, but can we get a little bit better at expressing it before it becomes hugely important or something we've held resentment about for five years first? Well, can I go to something that I think is a go-to rule on boundaries that's hard, but it's something that I've gotten better at. The earlier you do this, the better. Yes, yes. So I was a person in my dating life who had trouble saying no, and especially with like pushy guys. I look back and I think, I mean, there's an old Oprah-ism, which I will share with you. Anything that happens after you've said no is a manipulation by the other person. Mm. And I feel like that is a rule that I have to go back to, that if I say to somebody, this is what used to happen to me in dating. Someone would ask me out and I didn't want to go. And I would say, rather than saying no, and that was my full answer, I would say, I guess I'm kind of seeing someone else. Oh, is it serious? Well, I don't know. Well, then I guess it's okay if you go with me. And I would just mouse around it. And then I would end up going out with them and not want to be there and have a bad time. Oh, do you want to go out again? And anyway, this pattern would continue until I was finally at a point where I was like, I don't like you. You're not attractive to me. Get out of my face. I never want to talk to you again. And I was 10 times meaner than it would have been to just in the beginning say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Yes. And I think that that backing down the road shyly, it always leads you to a point of being 10 times meaner than you would have been to say up front, I'm not interested, thank you. I want to read you something that Brianna West wrote. She's a writer. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. She talks about what happens when you are somebody who doesn't set boundaries and then have to. She says, if you're not used to setting healthy boundaries, that you will then set them in unhealthy ways. You'll snap once you've been pushed too far. And that's also a problem. And then you end up really offending the person, right? I was just talking to a friend this morning who's in the dating world. And she said, you know how like when you go out to lunch with a guy and you don't really like him, like you pay for lunch because, you know, you're not going to go out with him again, but then he doesn't get it and he asks you out again. And I was like, I think that's a pretty subtle signal you're sending buying him lunch. Right. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't think that's the problem is that we think we're setting these boundaries, which are completely invisible to other people. Like, didn't you know when I sighed that weird way that that was my (laughs) sign that I never want to be in a room with you again? And like, no, of course, they're going to walk through those invisible boundaries. And that's right. Then you end up at a point where you're, I mean, we've all done this with our spouses, right? Like I rolled my eyes twice and then I sighed and then I left your socks somewhere that didn't belong (laughs) and you missed all those symbols. And now I'm screaming at you. Why don't you respect me? And it's like, wait, he didn't see those 10 other things at all. Yep. That's exactly right. But it's because it's difficult. And I'm so admiring, especially of women who I see in workplaces who are able to say, I can think of many women who I work with and they often are the people who people mutter behind their back like, oh, she's a real, rah, 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 you know, right. But they are the people who say, nope, that's not going to work for us. No, too expensive. We won't be doing that. And they understand that rule, which is you set the boundary once you hold to it. And sometimes it's frustrating to deal with people like that because I'm like, oh, but if you just understood and it's like, no, I said no. 
No is a complete sentence, and anything that happens after it is not happening on my watch. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about sort of good boundary setting and and what that involves. Love it. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. So another point that Brianna West made in this article was that boundaries can actually give our relationships what they need to last long term. But again, like boundaries aren't just for, you know, your crazy in-laws. They're for the person that you love. They're for, you know, you and me in a long term co-working relationship. The boundaries are the very thing that allow the long termness to exist. And you need, she says, you know, for other people around you to function as their best selves, they need to understand what's important to you and what you'll tolerate and what you won't. And, you know, problems arise when that isn't clear. Yeah. And I think that's right. And I think that we've gotten to a point where we define as boundaries is like, I'm not going to stand for X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to take it anymore. Right. And it doesn't have to be at that level. Boundaries can be saying, hey, let's all make a plan about how many holidays we spend with these people and these people and these people. And let's talk it out and make sure we're all on the same page. And then we don't have to do the thing of like, oh, you're not coming here. We came there 10 times. You know, it's really we're talking about communicating with people. Yes. But doing it in a loving way that it's almost like it's a positive relationship investing act, not just a like when somebody's driving you nuts here's what to say when you can't take it anymore. I mean, the first thing we've learned is that you're kind of not supposed to get to that point in the first place, right? But that you can actually be proactive about this. Mm -hmm. 
and that you can start from a place of maximum generosity as you like to say, which is that love it. The and you've taught me this truly that if somebody isn't giving you what they need, they're delivering their you know their product late or whatever it is you're dealing with, they probably don't know that what they're doing is bothering you or that you have different expectations, especially if you've never expressed them. So assume that because it doesn't make it easier for you to express your boundary. Assume best intentions on the other side that they really need to have this explained to them because they don't understand it. And that makes it maybe feel a little bit less scary. I think that's right. And I think as we talk about, because this is something I'm thinking a lot about with my kids, that I think that clear rules make for best behavior too. And so my kids are starting to get phones. And this is somewhere that I found like, what are the rules here? And that a phrase that my mother used so often, and I have definitely talked about it before, but it's worth revisiting is boundary seeking behavior. And like, this is something that has really transformed the way I think about some of the ways my kids come at me, my kids are looking for a wall. They're looking for a fence to run up against. Mm -hmm. They want to understand that their world is contained in some way. They don't want to feel like they're just in a giant field where there are no rules and anything goes. They want to know that someone is kind of holding them in. And I have found as my kids have started to get a lot more independence, a lot more unsupervised time, you know, I'm really with an eight, 10 and 12 year old moving into a new phase of parenting where it used to be like what happens happens in my living room with three parents sitting around having tea while the kids play or have a play date. Right Now they're really moving into this other world where they're functioning on their own. And I think for my kids, they need to set some boundaries because let's use the example of the phones. Things are coming in over the phones that are not appropriate, that are either bullying or their adult content or they are, you know, even memes that are maybe they're funny, but they're a little too dirty for me, you know, and I'm trying to start to have conversations with my kids about you need to set boundaries with your own friends. You need to say, please don't send this stuff to me because my mom will kick me right off of this phone, you know, and you need to be able to start setting these boundaries because I'm not going to be there when the kid pulls out the phone at recess is like, hey, let me show you something really gross really adult, you know, you need to be able to set those own boundaries and you need to be able to have a voice that says to your friends, I don't want to see that. I'm not allowed to look at stuff like that. You're so right. And to talk to your kids about, because this is a good tip for us ourselves, but certainly for our kids to rehearse what you're going to say in that moment. That makes me uncomfortable or my mom's going to take my phone if you send me stuff like that. So you have to stop whatever it is, because a non-reaction is seen as tacit acceptance, right? Like, and by yourself as well. Once you, I was just watching TV show last night about Patricia Arquette with the daughter and it's Munchausen by proxy, the act. Have you watched the act? Oh yeah. It's about the daughter who she raises and yeah, that she raises the daughter to think that she's like sick in all these different ways that she's not. She doesn't need to be in a wheelchair. She doesn't need a feeding tube. Oh, for sure. I've watched Amy way ahead of you. But she, so the girl is like stuck in the house all the time. And of course, like finds a friend on the internet who is not the most savory person. And this person's like, you know, I'm into something and I want to show it to you and see what you think. Shows her a very inappropriate picture. And it shows the girl just sort of blanching and just sitting there. And then they go back to talking 
And it was such a good scene because it was so clear from the scene, like, okay, he crossed a boundary and she did nothing. She froze, which I'm not saying it's her fault, but you see what right. I'm saying? Like she didn't have the language to say, I don't want you to do that. And so now that's accepted. Now that's part of their relationship and that's how it's going to be. And they TV show could sort of suggest a lot by that one moment. And it just occurs to me like, yeah, that kid in that moment needs to know what to say before you're hit with it. And you can help by being other people's boundary, right? I can sometimes help my husband when he gets to say like, oh, you know, Meg, she won't let me blah, 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 whatever it is. You know, if he needs to get out of something like I can be his boundary, he can be my boundary on things like, oh, I really need to Mm -hmm. not do that because my husband wants to do X, Y and Z. But we can really do this for our kids, too. We can help them be the boundary that they need in some of these situations, which is my mom would kill me if she knew I was looking at something like that. My mom is so uptight. She doesn't even let me look at, you know, inappropriate memes on my phone. And I think it. we have to help them set tight boundaries at this age because what is coming down the pike later on is really intense. And that's what I say to them all the time. I say, I don't want you exposed to stuff that is going to scare you, confuse you, that is going to be difficult. And also, I want us to have a relationship where I can trust you to have a lot of freedom. But if you mess that up, your freedom is going to be way curtailed and that's not going to be as fun for you. You're not going to be walking downtown after school with your friends to get a slice of pizza if I hear about weird stuff being looked at on the phones. And believe me, I'll find out because I know everything. I'm the mom. (laughs) The eyes in the back of the head thing will come into play. Yeah, every once in a while, I love to like... We have a house that has a lot of windows and the way the angles are in my house, sometimes I can see them in the reflection of the window in the other room doing something like standing on the couch. And I'm always I love when that happens because I'm like, don't stand on the couch. And they're like, how do you know I'm standing on the couch? And I'm like, I'm the mom. I find out everything. Don't mess with me. You know, I like that they feel that I am everywhere. Cameras everywhere in this house, you guys. Yeah. And just with the idea of like, if you're downtown and someone's pulling out the phone to show you something inappropriate, it's your job to say, I am not allowed to look at stuff like this and walk away because somehow I'm going to find out. And there's something related to that. So my kids are a little older. They're 13, 16, 18 now. And we sort of ascertained recently that one of our kids was staying up too late, you know, kind of on a regular basis. It would be the kind of thing where the dog needed to go out or we needed water. One of us would be up past our bedtime for some reason. And the light was on in this kid's room like two, three, four times. So we had to have a talk with this kid about setting boundaries for themselves, that it isn't just like, if you look at something I don't want you to look at, I'm going to take your phone. These kids are a little older now. So it's more about like, you need to set an alarm in your phone and go to bed. Like you're not getting enough sleep and you need to want that enough for yourself that you have to put a boundary in place for yourself. And that's a whole other topic, right? Like we set boundaries for ourselves when we, I don't know, like sometimes I'll like, add clothes to the cart and online shopping and then I close the browser and don't buy it, right? Or I like want a second cocktail, but I'm not going to have it. Or I like go to bed instead of pressing play on next episode. You know, we set boundaries with ourselves and that's something that we also have to teach our kids. And I think the central question as we're talking about it, because it's making me think this, where does this need to start? Where does this boundary start? And I'm thinking of Two of my kids have phones now. I have a fifth grader. Normally, we started with phones halfway through sixth grade. That was the rule that we came up with. But because of COVID, 
I don't want to be getting out of the car, walking around. Have you seen my kid? You know, we live in a small enough town that I could basically find my kids. But if we miss a pickup, like I walk into the school, hey, did he leave? And the lady at the front desk knows me and knows him. And But because of COVID, it just was easier to get him a phone so that he could call and say, oh, I didn't have eighth period today, so I'm going to walk home, whatever. Mm-hmm. All this to say he has a phone younger than I normally would have liked. Mm-hmm. But... We have a lot of boundaries around the fo- where the phones are. The phones do not go upstairs. You're never in a closed door with a phone in my house. Mm-hmm. Because I want to know what's up with the phone. At the end of the night, when the phones get plugged in, I go through and check the text messages. And I'll call one of my kids over and be like, this meme here, it's not appropriate. It's violent. It's too adult. Whatever it is. So, like, watch this stuff. You know, we're learning. We're, we've backed our boundaries up around the phone so that, I'm watching stuff. They know I'm involved with this stuff. And yes, as they get older, I'm not going to be looking at their phone all the time. But I'm hopefully teaching them that, like, don't act the fool on your phone. Because later on, it's not appropriate to be sending this stuff to people. Yeah. I think the boundaries, you got to start them really tight. And then you can open it up and open it up and open it up. And they're going to open it up for themselves. Yep. But hopefully you're kind of teaching them the thing of you need to have some responsibility around the way you act in order to have the things you want to have. Let's talk about setting boundaries, you know, with our partners, with our spouses. Okay. Because this was sort of an angle I hadn't really thought of. I read an article by Elizabeth Earnshaw, who's a therapist, and she says when you're Again, that setting boundaries with your partner is part of having a good relationship. It isn't just what you do when your relationship is broken. We're talking about literally with your partner. With your not partner. like, hey, we need to have better boundaries with other people. Right, exactly. Like you need to, you know, your mother has to call before she comes over or whatever. Like that's, we can talk about that for sure. This is like within your relationship, within your home. And she made a point I hadn't really thought of, which is that boundaries can also be things you want, not just things you don't want. Like I want you to stop putting your socks next to the microphone. Hmm. It can also be I want to start putting aside $200 a month it's really important to me or like I want to be able to sit down as a family and put the phones away you know to speak up for what you I want you not to be at the gym every morning when it's time to get the kids ready for school whatever it is you can declare what you want in a positive way and that's also boundary setting Super important. And two things I want to say about this. Okay. One, my sister gave me a metaphor a long time ago that I think about all the time. And the older I get, the more true it is. That you are on a course. Like you think you and your husband are on parallel courses fundamentally. But what you realize as the length of time you're married goes by, what you realize the longer you're married is that extremely small deviations on that course can take you very, very far apart over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you've got a one thing that my husband and I do. So point number two, my husband and I have tried to address this by actually, we always sit down New Year's Day and we're like state of the marriage, state of the union. And we do (laughs) a long conversation where we have a talk like, what are your goals for the year? What were your goals from last year? How did we help each other get close? To- We've put in some really specific things around this to try to keep those parallel lines running next to each other. And it's what keeps those parallel lines in line and running next to each other is boundaries. It's a track. It's a tunnel. You know, it's whatever it is. It's the walls that keep us 
moving in the same direction. Yeah. And I think it is the kind of thing that you can skip really easily. And so anyway, hopefully we try to have these conversations when we feel ourselves getting off track. One of us will sometimes say to each other, hey, we feel a little off track. Like, let's take a dinner this week and talk it out. And it feels a little precious and a little bit like whenever we are off track, we sit and discuss it. It feels annoying to me to say, but I think that the longer you're in it, the more you realize that you blow through each other's invisible boundaries. You're, it's very easy to get off on this and it's worth really paying mind to, I think. And what happens when you're on the receiving end of that? Like if your spouse were to say to you, I think we need to have one of our state of the union dinners. Are you like, uh-oh, do you, do you get your defenses up or, are you, or does it feel like at this point in your long relationship, is that just sort of just the good work you have to do? I think honestly, if I'm being honest, because my husband is, you know, not a person who thinks this way as much as I do. I usually drive the conversation. So it's a little hard for me to say. Uh-huh. I think I would be receptive to it. I think he has sometimes said to me, I feel like we're in this like off track place. And I'm like, yes, because and then I have the laundry <laughs> wrist ready to go, you know, and glad it's, you noticed. Here's why. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you noticed it is all your fault. And so I can't say that the conversation often comes up in like a real 50 50 way. But yeah, it's a good point. Amy, I have a different example, and I'm going to tell you right after this break. Okay. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's 
H-E-R-O.co and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. And now, firm up those boundaries from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Do you find yourself flummoxed by your husband constantly leaving his socks on the floor? I don't understand it. I've sighed three times, rolled my eyes twice, and even muttered under my breath unhappily. But still, he doesn't put them in the hamper. It's time to firm up those boundaries. Listen up, sweetheart. I find these socks on the floor again, and I'm going to blend them into your morning smoothie, you monster. Other PTA members dumping the worst work on you just because you're competent and accommodating? Um, I guess I can do the financials again this year. It's time to firm up those boundaries. Listen up, Brenda. I'm getting teacher gifts this year. I'm shopping and I'm receiving compliments. Budget's on you, newbie. Uh Uh-oh. Time to make holiday plans with your in-laws? Oh, you've already invited everyone else and we'll ruin it if we're not there? I guess in that case, we do have to come. Time to firm up those boundaries. Listen up, Sharon. My husband and I have drawn a sacred circle of trust that is a fortress impenetrable by outside parental guilt. And we are having Thanksgiving alone. This has been Firm Up Those Boundaries from the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy, I'm bringing it home. I think a better example than my marriage is you and I sometimes have conversations like this, right? Like we're trying to run a business together. It's complicated. And I think sometimes we are able to say like, hey, let's have a conversation about where this is. Are we both on track? Like, are you doing more work than I'm doing? Am I, you know, feeling resentful of X, Y, or Z? Are we working with other people in the best way that we want to? Does this business look like what we want it to be and where we want it to go? Like, I think that you and I, one of the reasons that we're successful as a partnership is like, we're able to have pretty frank conversations about expectations and that both of us have come to the other person at certain points and said, you know, I don't think this is going exactly where I want it to go. How can we reset? Yeah. And Brene Brown calls this rumbling, like being brave at work. And she says you kind of go to your coworker or whatever and say, like, can we have a little bit of a difficult conversation? Can we sort of rumble about this? And you would give me all the eye rolls if I said, can I rumble with you, Margaret? Yeah, I would definitely be like, never say that word to me again. But yes. (laughs) But yes. Right. Having a sort of establishing a safe practice of that means you don't have a huge fight that ends the partnership, whether it's a business or a personal one, right? Because you have along the way a way to do this. I'm getting this, that healthy boundary setting is something that happens early and often to make something last, not because you can't stand this person and this is the last straw. And also, even though I'm goofing on the word rumble, I do think that we were talking about it recently with kids and so many people on the Facebook responded to it that it made me laugh that I said, you know, we have like uh, different phrases like the bear is angry, just feed him when my kid goes into like red zone where he can't be talked to. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, we call that Medusa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We call that, you know the tiger whatever and people and i think that there is maybe power in saying hey my husband and i will often say like we're in the mode and the mode we know that the mode for us is i'm resentful of everything he does and he feels put upon and like starts to retract from me entirely and so we've given that 
the name The Mode. And I think that there is a helpfulness in giving it this neutral third name, you know, this third party name almost that you might be able to say to your family like, hey, we're kind of in the restaurant parlance when you're slammed and you can't get all the stuff out to your tables. We call that in the weeds, right? Like, oh, Meg's in the weeds. Someone needs to go help her, like get drinks to her table or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like, hey, Meg's failing at being a server. She's horrible. Someone go rescue her. It's like, oh, she's in the weeds. Someone go grab her stuff for her. And it, it might be good to find a more neutral term for a mode that everybody gets in. Yeah. We're on the outs a little bit right now. You know, let's see if we can find our way back. Yeah, I mean, I don't like being criticized. Nobody does. <laughs> no. But I think the perfectionist in me is, you know, hypersensitive to, you know, the difficult conversation. And yeah, having a sense of humor about it. And also like a safe practice around it. Like it's like Robert's rules of order. And those things can seem really annoying and silly, right? Like the chair recognizes that whatever, but they help. They help keep conversations safe, polite, productive, Here's where this can really be difficult. You were saying before that, you know, it's always your husband can always say, well, you know how Meg is. Everybody has to wear a mask when they come over. And that's usually true, except with extended families, right, where you have to very much present a united front. It isn't like, well, I'd stay, but she wants to leave. That's never good with our extended families. And one hint. Right. Yes, I should say you have to be really careful with that. Like sometimes if you're on it together and you're in it, I'm like, oh, throw me under the bus. It's fine. Just say we can't go. Right. But yeah, you can't ever do that as like recreationally, basically. Yeah, that has to be part of the plan. Right. Exactly. There has to be a plan. Exactly. And so like with difficult family members, with, you know, Thanksgiving with family members, I guess we'll be doing that eventually. Like by 2025, we'll be having Thanksgiving again. Together. So they say, yes. So you need to talk about it ahead of time, get on the same page, maybe have an exit plan, you know, maybe have a word for it, right? Like it's the mode or Medusa or whatever. Like if, you know, your dad has had three drinks, I'm not going to want him to play with the baby anymore. And we're going to establish that ahead of time so that when it's happening in real time, it's, you know, one moment of eye contact is all that's required. And there isn't resentment before fighting afterwards. You were very clear what your boundaries are and you don't have to talk about it in front of the people who are pressing against the boundary. This is something that's very true and it's something that I say to people sometimes in having, Amy and I both have a background in Hollywood meetings. Yes. And the greatest skill you can have in a Hollywood meeting is making people think that they're right while doing whatever it is you need to do. And I think it's a skill that we sometimes skip in that I can just look at my husband and be like, okay, dad just had the third drink, so now I'm going to take the baby into the other room and it's nap time. And that the thing that we often skip is that we feel like we need to be like, you have had too much to drink. Now you are not allowed to be around the baby. I am going to take the baby somewhere else. You can skip that part a lot of times. We probably shouldn't be using the example of a drunk dad because it's a little heavy. But <laughs> it was a little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to always go in with your family on you always want to be the dominating person at this holiday and I'm not going to allow it. We're going to host our own and you're going to see that we're just as good as you are. I think there's a, a lot of boundaries. You can have the more hard your boundaries are around what it is you want, the easier it is to function with your family. Because you can say, oh, you know what? We've made a decision not to travel this year. Oh, but it's cousin so-and-so's. Oh, that is too bad. Yeah, we'll miss that. You know what? We're going to send her a gift basket to make up for that. Whatever it is, your boundary is firm. And then you can be extremely flexible once you have done what you need to do for yourself. 
the person with whom you're setting a boundary is entitled to have an emotional reaction, right? Correct, but difficult. Correct, but difficult. And it may not be a charitable one at all. And what's hard is for me, at least, is to either not want to have the conversation because that might be coming or to feel suddenly less sure or ashamed of the boundary I've just expressed because the other person might not like it, doesn't like it, kind of seems not to like it, is not looking at me anymore. You know what I mean? Like the fear of that and the expression of that makes us not want to set boundaries. So part of being a good boundary setter is being okay with that. And also the understanding the fact that like, that's why I like the word boundary seeking behavior, because it says what my kid is looking for is a boundary here, even though they're screaming in my face, it's boundary setting behavior. And that the firmer the boundary is, the better my kid feels. It changes the definition of like, I'm a bad mom to like, I'm the best mom. I'm giving my kid exactly what they need, even though they don't realize it. And similarly, I think with any situation in which you're setting a firm boundary, it actually makes the situation better. It actually allows you to have a conversation where you you say, actually, we're going to be spending Thanksgiving by ourselves this year. And then when the reaction comes of like, oh, that's heartbreaking, you don't have to start negotiating the boundary, which is where a lot of the bad feelings, you can then come from a different place of generosity, which is, well, I understand everyone's upset. So what could we do? You know, Mm -hmm. maybe we'll Zoom cook together that day. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll this, maybe we'll that. Maybe there's other ways to feed the need. Oh, if it's that this person feels out, let's make sure to include them at Christmas. You can offer and fix a lot of things from a strong place of boundary that you can't when you're like, no, I won't give you anything because I know if I let you in, the floodgates are going to come in and you're going to wash me away. No, everything is secure. So now I can be more generous. I think that's actually true. And if this person is giving, you know, is coming at you with (laughs) rage, whether it's your teenager or, you know, your parent, right? You can't accommodate it, but you can accept that feeling. And maybe there's a way to work with it. Once your boundary is expressed calmly and consistently, that rage is there or it's not, but the boundary is the boundary. And if that rage is there, then you have also clarity, further clarity about why that boundary needed to be there in the first place, right? Like if the zombies are banging on the door, you needed to lock the door. Yeah. And I think also this stuff comes up in families because there's some difficult underlying issues. When you get married, you become your partner's significant other, literally. You are replacing people in their lives as their significant other. They used to go home for every holiday because their family was their significant other. And now you have changed that dynamic, which is painful. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that the way to fix that is to pretend that the old truth is still true. The way to fix that is to live in your new truth and then be as generous as possible from that solid place. Yeah. And I think that's where the definitions get a little bit off. The truth, we talked about this with um, Susan Katz-Miller in terms of having new religious traditions. You may decide that like you and your spouse came from very strong religious traditions that it's heartbreaking to your families of origin that you no longer practice but you have made a decision within your sacred circle to practice x y and z religion and so you don't have to debate it every single time you know actually we're not going to have a christmas tree because we are now practicing judaism we understand our truth and so you don't have to bang your head against our door for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. we've been very clear about what our new truth is we've set these very clear boundaries and within that you can say once you understand your new circle you can say 
Oh my gosh, wasn't it wonderful when we all celebrated Christmas? Now we do something different, but gosh, those were great times. You don't have to have that feeling of like, if I let an ounce of this in, it's going to wash us away. The sort of the more clarity you have in the first place, I guess, the less likely you'll have to keep having that same conversation. They won't keep checking if the door is locked. (laughs) That's right. Because I think a lot of the friction comes from like, oh, my God, they're banging at the door again. Stupid zombies. But (laughs) they'll stop eventually if the door is locked, but loving. That's the thing. (laughs) I mean, I think that you also then everybody can lay down their arms a little bit when the fences are clear. Yes. You know, like, okay, you live on that side of the fence. We live on this side of the fence. We don't have to keep pouring boiling oil on each other to survive. And so we can all relax a little bit because we understand what the rules are. Yeah. And same thing with the kids. And this is what I'm finding with my kids. Kids will stop constantly pushing at the boundaries if they stay firm. They will settle in to rules. But it is absolutely important that the first step of that is setting early, really firm boundaries. Mm -hmm. They're going to eventually stop banging their heads against the wall. They're going to accept that it's a wall. Mm -hmm. But if it moves at all, if it gives at all, then they're back to it, right? They're back to like pushing, pushing, pushing to find that weak spot. Yeah, I think we solved it this week. This was a great conversation. I really, I've been thinking a lot about this as my kids, you know, and the pandemic has shut it down again a little bit, but I'm like, all right, as we start to come out of this pandemic, pray God, then we're going to be back to some like, okay, you're really out there on your own now. Like, are your boundaries good to go? Have we practiced enough? Good luck out there in the world. Oh, I know. (laughs) It's a little scary. I want to ask everybody, if you're not following us on Instagram, to come follow us there at What Fresh Hellcast. Same as Facebook. We have a nice group there as well. And it's a very easy place to send us, you know, your thoughts on the episode, memes you think are funny, and then we can share them with everybody. And it's a fun conversation over there. So come join us. On the gram, guys, as the kids like to say, we're on the gram. With that said, go out and set some boundaries, friends. Have a great time with your boundary setting and don't let people push your boundaries. Come on, keep those walls strong. You got this. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, 
out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.